I come from a generation of people who love to video game. Gaming was part of my childhood and continues to be part of my adulthood. I love it. I love the opportunity to go deep, to play and enjoy. But there's been a transformation in this world of gaming, a transformation that I could never really imagine as a child or as an adult. And it's all been made possible by crypto. Crypto has created something called play to earn in gaming. That means the time, the hours, the effort that players put in to video games are now rewarded with actual hard cash. And to explore this revolution of the gaming area, and that many will say will go on to probably be one of the biggest driving forces behind the adoption of crypto, Abhishek Anand is going to explain exactly what play to earn is, how he's created I and mean, be part of the formation of something called Indie GG, which is a gaming guild, and how these gaming guilds are opening the doors to millions upon millions of gamers in developing nations like India to earn a proper income from the activity of playing video games. Sound too good to be true? Well, I promise you, this is the reality right now in the world. And it is fascinating. This is an amazing interview, a great opportunity for us to learn. There's going to be lots of themes, terminologies that are used. So don't be afraid to go and do your own research. But this is definitely one to listen to. And so without further ado, I give you Abhishek Anand of Indie GG. Abhishek, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks a lot for having me. Well, hey, honestly, it's a real pleasure for me because you, Abhishek, have expertise and knowledge that one I want to learn from, very much so, but I think is going to be really exciting for all of our listeners to hear about in and around this crazy part of crypto, which many people still don't know about, but is the gaming place and part of uh, crypto. And so um, what I was hoping today we could be able to do together is explore, I suppose, this the innovation, the development of play to earn or play and earn, uh, the development of NFT assets as ownable assets and tradable and exchangeable assets, the growth of gaming, particularly in your home country of India, um, and explaining like really a really functional and like pivotal component of the utility of Web3, blockchain, and all of those components. So yeah, not much to do there in this hour, but um, if our listeners and guests stay with us, then I'm sure they're going to learn a hell of a lot from you. So again, thank you very much. And as often I'll always start with Abhishek, it's really just to find out like how you got into crypto and like how you specifically got to where you are in sort of the play and earn or play to earn format. So over to you, good sir, please. Hmm. So it's sort of a wild journey, uh, you know, from, from where I started. I think crypto happened by, uh, didn't really happen by choice. It happened by, uh, uh, it just randomly me probably sifting through one of Naval's podcasts, you know, where he sort of very strongly harped about Bitcoin, uh, which caught me into the rabbit hole. And this is sometime, sometime back in 2019. So I've been obviously listening about Bitcoin, Ethereum, back in college days, always ignored. But 2019, uh, sort of end of the year is 2019, 2020 end of the year is when, uh, you know, I started entering into the space. Uh, so this was when I, uh, just a little bit of my background. I have uh, always been a builder. So I got done with my graduation from India in 2016 and then started working with a very early stage TAS startup where we sort of built out a, a analytics tool for uh, retailers in India. Uh, retailers are a huge market in India. And most of these retailers generally need backend devs, backend tools for them to manage their uh, infra, for them to manage their user base, for them to manage their, uh, for them to manage their inventory and then front end tools for them to manage their user base and engagement and do all of that, right? So uh, pretty much worked with the founding team in building out the market, uh, finding, carving out the product market fit, uh, finding out users, building out team, you know, establishing growth hacks to sort of grow the business and spent four years with them. Uh, Ewards is the name of the tool. And this is firmly in the Web2, what we would kind of characterize as being Web2, traditional, you know, like kind of e-commerce, 
solutions. Yeah, yeah. So this is this is the traditional SaaS Web2 model where, uh, you know, we worked on a subscription model. We charged upfront payment for users to use our tool. No tokens, no chain, everything stored on AWS servers. Everything's Web2 standard. But yeah, I mean, I think three and a half, four years down the line, we pretty much grew the business from zero, uh, literally zero revenues when I joined to 20, in 2020, we sort of touched Thing, anything between 350k to 400k uh, annual recurring revenue uh, in roughly three to four years, built out multiple product suites, uh, built out a huge team of 50, 60 people. But yeah, I mean, after four years, I think the sense of doing something bigger, sense of doing something sort of which creates a bigger impact in the society uh, sort of started sifting in, which is when I started reading up more about the Web3 and the crypto space. You know, like everyone else, I was a degen before. Uh, so, you know, when you see, when you see your, your natural mentality is that of an ape mentality where, you know, initially you were just sort of reading tweets on Twitter and then sort of aping into stuff. And then, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not afraid to say that I've literally like, you know, most of the time, most of the investments that I've made in the early days have gone down by 100%. <laughs> People have literally dumped on me. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, now in hindsight that I look back, obviously that, that naivety is what sort of created that, that hunger for me to, you know, go deep and figure out, you know, how things work, how tokenomics works, how crypto projects work, how unlocks happen, how projects are built. And let me, for the audience, before you go on, Abhishek, I think it's, I'm very mindful as I explore tokenomics and explore crypto for listeners who aren't crypto natives, some of the terminology in the vernacular. You've used things like, um, you know, aping into projects, being a degenerative. You know, these are terminologies which really are supposed to mean that you are really just diving into it. You're not even, you know, you're not really thinking about the risks at time. You're just going full throttle, like full exposure. And um, it's become a meme. It's like a why like board your ape clubs exist like and why apes are so popular in crypto and in NFT space, right? Because they signify you're aping into things. So um, yeah, I just wanted to kind of clarify that. And, you know, that's how I found you in a way is that you'd started writing some very thoughtful pieces um, through your blog about deep dives into crypto. And I actually thought they were, you know, really interesting think pieces. One, I was astounded that you're not a native English speaker and you're writing as well but you'd sort of really obviously spent a lot of time really getting into the tokenomics. What were the anal analytics behind these movements? And I can probably hear in you that you had the same experiences. When you lose some money, <laughs> when, you've, when you've invested everything into something and you lost some money, you learn a lot of lessons from it. So yeah, so I just wanted to kind of just sort of touch on that. Over to you. Yeah, to be very honest, I think that's the same advice that I give to everyone. Uh, you, know, and, you know, anyone who comes to me and tells me, boss, can you tell me which project should I invest in? Should I invest in crypto? Is it safe? Is it not safe? Will I become a millionaire through this investment? <laughs> My first advice to them is to dive straight in without thinking so much. So you make a small bet, you make a small investment, you put 10K, 20K, 30K, 40K, 50K in INR, and eventually, or uh, 1K USD, uh, eventually once you're skin in the game, your natural tendency is to figure out what the hell is happening? How are markets moving so fast? You know, you know, one, you just, you go to sleep and the next morning you wake up seeing a 30% crash in the market. Uh, you never seen that, right? And uh, we're seeing a lot of native investors who've never invested in the share market, who've never invested in stocks and are now directly jumping into crypto. You know, uh, we're seeing a lot of users, a lot of teenagers never having a bank account, but starting up with a MetaMask wallet. Uh, you know, things like that. So a lot of interesting stuff happening. But yeah, I mean, uh, from there, uh, you know, spent three, four months doing a lot of degening, doing a lot of aping, um, you know, just blindly diving into stuff. And uh, I thought uh, this was it. This is my ticket to uh, victory. And uh, I quit. And uh, also also because, uh, you know, I started reading a lot of philosophy around uh, around how the crypto movement sort of shaped up over the last 10 years. So, you know, a lot of what is happening today can be traced back to how the entire sort of uh, blockchain and crypto movement uh, got developed over the last 20, 30 years from the early days of, you know, uh, Satoshi and even pre that where the where Hashcash was developed, where uTorrent, uh, you know, was developed, 
uh, without anyone sort of owning any file and you know sort of transferring data and transferring files independently so started diving a lot into that read the sovereign individual which is like i would highly highly recommend all your users to read the sovereign individual i think it will completely change your perspective and this book was written back in 2000 and it talks about how the cyber world will sort of take over how things will become decentralized how centralized entities will no longer exist we're already recommending books and we do that at the end of the show great let's listen to this one and we'll talk about that a bit more later yes wonderful yeah the sovereign individual yeah and then and then uh, you know uh, once i quit obviously uh, was sort of jobless uh, didn't have any sort of alternative just had a runway had a i think i had a 3 month runway that's it uh, to figure out what i had to do but uh, obviously because of my builder sort of mentality and i literally built things for 4 years and and because of my background in analytics i started diving deep into the data aspect of crypto so you know diving into on chain data figuring out what is happening and then figured out products like nansen and dune who were uh, building a lot of stuff there and found out a lot of complexities for a native sort of new user to understand uh, and navigate through the data world in crypto and started building an on chain analytics tool which sort of solved certain problems uh didn't really work out because uh, i didn't really have a lot of blockchain native experience back in the days and this is me 6 7 months into the space and uh, starting off spoke to a bunch of investors they uh they found the idea to be uh you know unique uh but obviously implementation was sort of very very challenging considering now we have two big behemoths nansen and dune which are both a unicorn in the on chain data space and crypto literally dominating the industry so spent 2 3 months in figuring out stuff didn't work out pivoted from there and that was the same time when um, this guy called uh, packy uh, he deconstructs amazing pieces for a new user and literally breaks them down for them for people to understand what's happening and covers different topics so back in august is when he wrote a piece on axi infinity okay i can tell you the name uh, probably towards the towards the end of the show but yes please and we'll make sure we get it in the show notes for the listeners absolutely yeah yeah 100%, 100% so i so that was a moment where i was sort of discontent not happy things were not working out and i ended up reading that piece uh on axi infinity and how this game was sort of disrupting the gaming industry through through a change from pay to play free to play movement to a play to earn movement where uh, ownership was no longer in the hands of the game developers who were building the game but were were rather uh, but were rather building out shared economies the community had become the players who were playing the games were owners of the game they could take out money for spending time effort energy into grinding into the game as like i've always been a gamer mm, me too yeah you know i never never been paid to play games and uh, here there are about uh, you know 50,000 users who are playing games and are earning money at the same time. Let's pause there for a moment because, you know, I mean, this is mind-blowing for people. You know, I, I've been playing games since I'm just turned 40. I've been playing games from the early Nintendo period, even before that, you know, early PC gaming. I love video gaming. Um as someone who's maybe a bit ADD, dyslexic they are somewhere i can go deep i can like have concentration and they're just you know wonderful experiences for me but it's always been pay to play and that terminology you used yeah. you know i've had you know parents saying you're wasting your time you need to get a job you need to think about yeah. this and gamers yeah. will all tell you that that's had they've had that conversation at some point and there is a moment where someone says like you have just said that you can get paid play i mean they call it play and earn right the terminology play and earn or play to earn play and earn i'm i'm thinking is the next topic and we'll come to that in a moment but that's really important for people to understand and you just said it the players own like the game as well it's not like you're work you're playing for ea or nintendo or whoever who own the game and own everything to do with it yeah so yeah plays just pick that up and and so you had this moment where you discovered ah i can actually make a living So maybe you want to tell people about Axi and Axi Infinity which I've talked spoken about before and I played myself and it's an incredible concept and like what that is and how it's developed. Yeah, I think it has changed the industry now. It has completely changed the industry. It, it you know they say it requires one man to change the world. 
uh, it required satoshi nakamoto to sort of change the entire crypto space it required ethereum to change the entire decentralized building it required axie infinity to change the gaming space and that's what we're seeing with axie infinity uh so the concept is very simple uh you know players uh inherently players have always been devoid of property rights and human rights when they participated in in-game economies right uh you generally uh you know enter a game you can play a lot of these games free of cost games like counter strike games like league of legends a bunch of these games uh it's free to play but if you want to level up within the game uh and the game devs keep selling you stuff like cosmetics like a specific assets uh and most of these game assets are not owned by you who is spending money within the game ecosystem the revenue gets accumulated to the game developers right so as a player you don't own anything uh the intellectual property of the asset is owned by the game developer uh you don't own anything we are spending maybe tens of hours a day spending playing a game and i know people who who are hardcore gamers spend 8 to 10 hours a day only playing games absolutely and most of our community member comprise most of our community members are indigg and we'll come to what indigg is comprises of gamers who were hardcore gamers always been gamers right so from there to a concept where you know a uh, the assets are no longer owned by the game developer the assets are represented in the form of nfts which lie on the blockchain okay ownership of which belongs to the player who's buying the assets so the ownership has moved from the game developer to the player who's playing the game and the player using these assets and their skill to participate in the game economy and earning some sort of an in-game token which has always existed in in other games but you were never able to and cash these tokens you were never able to encash these game points it was always a fictional sort of money which was never never encashable right so now in the form of when you tokenize these in game points or in game currencies right they live natively on the blockchain which you can now encash it to sort of usdt or a stable coin and then to your bank account so that that entire concept of as a user me getting property rights which is me owning a certain piece in the game me getting human right which is me getting paid for spending time effort energy and creating that network effect for that mm-hmm. game yeah right so if i don't play the game and if you don't play the game the game will not be able to build out that network effect and the same concept applies to what facebook did right so uh it's it's a very similar concept so so players contribute to the network effect of the game now we're seeing blockchain games uh having a more community first approach where the players who contribute to building out the network effect are more important uh they are given a lot of priority so that's what's happening brilliant i want to pause again here again because i'm i'm very aware that you and i actually know about axi because we've spent some hours many probably hours in the game and really understand some of this but I'm sure for those who don't who aren't crypto natives who are or even are crypto natives some of the tokenomics here because this is also what i'm trying to do with this show series to break it down and so people might be thinking okay so you can own the nft of the game but how do you make money i don't get it and there's beautiful economics at play and i think important to note that in the axi world 95% of the revenue that's generated if i get that right i think i do goes to the players goes to the community and i think the game developers retain about 5% it may be a little bit less but roughly they retain about 5% of all of the transactions so that's how they keep the game going and they can be able to invest and we're talking about billions of dollars here that i think go through axi infinity as a as a total get as a total community you know many many players but maybe you could just explain you know as, as your deep detail or as, as quickly as you like about how axi works to keep players on and then specifically then your role because you've gone from being a gamer you went from being a gamer to being a manager right and that was a very interesting development and maybe we can explain a bit about that yeah over to you good sir yeah so so essentially the way it works is uh, i think the economy is obviously for first time listener it might uh, sound complicated but you know once you deep dive once you sort of pour into the way it works it's it's not very complicated any game has an input component and an output component right so the input is the amount of new money 
that is flushing into the game who are buying these game assets to be able to contribute in the game economy and the output component is the uh, money that players are taking out in the form of in-game tokens right uh, so essentially if you see with Axie Infinity right now it is a play to earn game right the positioning was that hey you come play the game and you will earn something now that is where it it sort of you know a lot of developers a lot of other game developers and a lot of economists sort of came in and said hey this is not possible it's not humanly possible for everyone to put two rupees or two dollar into the game with an expectation to take out five dollar right uh, it's not possible so essentially the way we are seeing this is now we're seeing this movement from where Axie Infinity is becoming moving from a play to earn game to a play and earn game where the earning component is becoming secondary and not primary the the primary component is where you play the game you enjoy playing the game and if you're well if you play well if you have the requisite skills if you have the necessary skills then you will also earn but earning is not the primary focus so now what happens is there are a lot of people who invest five dollars into the game but some make two dollar some make six dollars some make ten dollars it's a function of how skilled you are as a player like me you lose all of your money but that's okay yeah, and, <laughs> and like me too because i i am a i'm a terrible axie player i mean uh, i learn so much i learn a lot from my um, from our scholars and from the community at large right so this movement is what is what we are seeing happening now uh, and this is still yet to play out uh, if i speak of the broader gaming ecosystem i think axie infinity there are about 1.5 million odd web3 players who uh, and this is in terms of daily active users so 1.5 million players playing web3 games every single day now if you look at the broader market there are 3 billion gamers who play web2 games globally and web3 games there are only 1.5 million players so that shift is what we've seen so far is just the tip of the iceberg okay uh, we've not even seen AAA games who are starting to build out in this space so uh, you know we we speak to a lot of developers every day we do a lot of investments in early stage games we buy out assets we do a bunch of things and the and the rate at which we're seeing game developers you know wanting to build in the web3 space it, it it's it's astonishing it's 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 you know that that number is completely going to skyrocket over the next 12 months or 24 months. And I totally feel you on that. And I think you told me a fact, which we're going to come back to in a moment, because the business you work for is IndieGG, which is um, Indian, which is, I suppose it's an abbreviation for Indian Guild Gamers. I want to come back and talk to you about that in a moment. And, and we're going to explore, you, you told me a crazy fact, 400 million gamers in India, which is an incredible statistic. Mm. But before we do that, I just want to pause for a moment, tell people about, you know, with Axie, because I think you, there was something that really happened that was interesting. It really is a community-led you know, endeavor. We talked about this, the human rights that you talked about, the, the actual game ownership. It really is driven by the community. And for, again, for listeners, the way you play Axies, you have to buy a small team. It's a card-playing game. Kind of Essentially, there's each of your Axies or little characters. You, you fight with three of them against another team of three, and they have different attributes. And the skill is choosing the Axies, which have different types of qualities and teaming and put them in a way that they can play against another team and beat them each actually has a set cost in the early days it cost three hundred dollars four hundred dollars for a good axie so to build a team it cost as it did for me about one thousand two hundred dollars to build a team and then every time your team wins um you get something called slp and slp was had a value on the secondary market you could go and freely exchange this and slp was worth, I think, at sometimes anything like ten cents uh, SLP. That's dropped quite considerably. But um, forty cents for how much? Forty cents. Forty cents at its all-time high. Oh, what well, was it yeah. really? Forty cents. So let's listeners understand that when you won a game, you could be getting anything from six to twelve or fifteen SLP per win. So if you were high enough and you had enough scores, so you could be literally earning a couple of dollars per victory, and you could be playing many games in a day winning um and generating like significant revenue 
you know, you could be in a week and you'll come to me telling me about some of the, the highest earners in this game. But the reason it wasn't just like taking those wins and selling it out, what, what the interesting game mechanic was, was that you used those SLP to breed the axes, right? They had to have some SLP and you had to breed them. If you bred them, obviously you got the opportunity to have little game NFTs who were worth three or $400. So you could see how, and, and every time somebody joined the game, they had to buy. So it became this beautiful tokenomics and, and economic methodology of bringing players in and you know, keeping the economy running and growing to allow people much better than myself to take <laughs> significant money out of the game and have a lot earning. So it's at that point that you entered the game as a player, but then there was a very interesting development that managers came into the game and scholars came into the game. Would you just tell the audience a bit about that? Because I think that's a very interesting component. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think what you mentioned that, you know, for, for a player to participate in the game in Axie Infinity required someone to put in $300, $400. And the price of these assets is a function of uh, what you're buying because each asset, each Axie represents certain class, represents certain skills, represents each Axie has certain cards, which basically translates into its trends, its it's meta. It's its weakness. It's yeah. Yeah. It's that's a meta, right? Yeah. Uh, so depending on how good an axie you want to purchase, you had to spend anything between three hundred to six hundred dollars to participate in the game. And for you to build a team, you needed three axes, which which meant that for anyone to participate in the game, had to spend between thousand to fifteen hundred USD. It's a lot of money. Which is a lot of money, right? For a lot of money, especially in emerging markets. In the UK, it's a lot of money. I mean, geez, anybody to, you, you had to have some, you know, yeah, you had to have yeah. either grey hair or um, some money like, you know, lying around, but or you, or you had to say it was for research like I did. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So what happened was uh, Gabby and uh, team uh, started building out Yield Killed Games, uh, which is where they sort of became a sort of platform which started bridging, which started buying these assets in bulk and started renting it out to the scholars, right? And so as a, as a scholar, as a player, I don't have to invest upfront money, okay? I can go to Yield Guild Games and say, hey, I want scholarship, I have the skills, I have the, I, I can sort of uh, maximize earnings from, from the game. Can you lend out these assets to me? And Yield Guild will buy these assets uh, and run a breeding farm and keep generating new assets and keep lending it out to the scholars, to the players. Now, all the earning that the player player generates, okay, 70% of it, the player retains with himself. 20% of it goes to the manager, which is a person who manages a pool of scholars. So each manager can manage up to 100 scholars and he's responsible to sort of train them, educate them, ensure that they are constantly upskilling, understand what problems they are facing. 20% goes to them and 10% is retained by Yield Guild Games, right? Uh, so it became an interesting concept from uh, a perspective that a user now does not have to invest upfront money to engage in these blockchain games. There are guilds who have the supply of assets who invest in these games and sort of become a sort of create a bridge for those masses of users who have the skills but don't have the money to participate in the in-game economy and start generating some sort of earning from it using the assets. So that's where the shift sort of happened from players directly entering into the game to now we are seeing guilds getting into the picture thanks to Yield Guild Game, which, which, which is the pioneer of the guild model and then bunch of guilds sort of spun out, you know, sort of came off. And that's how we're going to talk about Indy in a moment, Indy GG, what you're involved with building. But I, I want to add this point because um, I listened to the founders of Axie and the reason we're talking about Axie is they are the biggest or, you know, they, they are built on the Ethereum chain. They've created a side chain um, run in to handle some of the transactions and those who are interested can go and find out about that. But uh, as I understood the, the historics lesson was that they never built Axie with this idea that managers and scholars would be a thing. That, yeah, um, yeah, and it was actually yeah. only until people who had teams, who had means, like, and this was actually independent people, like just one person, um, somebody would say, look, I want to play for you. And there was a dynamic with the way that assets are owned in crypto, i.e. that the assets are owned with a wallet and that you could log into the Axie platform using somebody else's 
expensive assets, these axes, without owning them and the owner being able to retain control with the wallet that became a dynamic that you could trustlessly, which is a very important form of um, crypto, be able to lend out your assets without them being stolen, right? Without somebody just taking them and disappearing, right? That was by accident. Actually, never expected to do this, but it, it ended up, and it was Indonesia, I believe, that where a lot of the gamers came from for Axie in the early days. And this became just a, a phenomenon. And then all of a sudden, there was loads more gamers coming into the game. There were people who were starting to recognize they could be creating these teams and staking them and having scholars, as they take it, and managers and scholars. And that's also what was bore like, institutions like Yield Guild Gamers, who were created seeing this movement and start to buy assets and such. And then it's not just li limited to Axie because all of a sudden you can buy assets and those assets from any game around the world can be used and rented out and it's going to become a, and it will be a phenomenon, which is where you've been a manager, you've been a gamer, and now you could, I hope you can tell us about IndieGG <laughs> and what IndieG is. Yeah. So what I did was, uh, so you know, initially I was... Uh, never been a manager myself, so I've not really managed. But uh, you know, I, I I did try out the game once, uh, and then found out a a very old friend of mine who's always been a hardcore gamer. Uh, he started playing, and then uh, you know we sort of built out a micro guild of sorts back in India back in August September, uh, and then from there it was called MUS Guild. We sort of built out a community of four thousand odd members. And uh, we had roughly 70 scholars at scale. And uh, most of my, most of the early team members were sort of, we had, we sort of had two managers who were managing 70, 60, 70 people. And that was a moment when I was uh, uh, venturing out to scale the business because I obviously realized it at scale, it had, uh, it had a huge opportunity in terms of the size of the market. Uh, and started speaking to, again, started speaking to a bunch of investors, which is when I reached to the Polygon team folks. And uh, Polygon team was indigenously, creating a guild within the Polygon ecosystem, which happened to eventually be IndieGG. Uh, so IndieGG is basically a sub-DAO of YGG, and uh, which essentially focuses primarily on the Indian market. A DAO is a decentralized autonomous organization, as many of you listening to the show are starting to find out. Um, and, and it's basically a sub-DAO of the main decentralized autonomous organization, which is correct, YGG. Correct. Yeah. So YGG is a parent DAO, and uh, it creates... It has multiple sub-DAOs as of now. Uh, IndieGG is uh, the sub-DAO which focuses on the Indian market. Uh, now, when IndieGG was being built out, uh, you know, it had YGG, which is one of, which was one of the parent DAOs, and then it was being built, uh, built out from the Polygon sort of team, right? And these are two behemoths, which are the biggest conglomerates in the Web3 space one which is the biggest infrastructure layer and the other one which is the biggest gaming guild in the world now coming together to form a guild which now focuses on the indian market now that was an opportunity i couldn't say no to so i was speaking to sid who's one of the advisors at indigg and has been a founding team member at uh, at polygon and he sort of made an offer to merge my previous micro guild and indigg together and then we sort of focus on building out indigg together and uh, yeah, I mean, that then moved on from there. And then, uh, you know, I've been spending time with the broader IndieGG team to build out the business in India. So as of now, we have roughly at IndieGG, the concept is very similar. We are also a guild, uh, but the focus is primarily on the Indian market. It is not on the global market because India as a whole is a huge market. It is the size of the market is 20 times the size of the Philippines gaming market. Wow. It is 8 to 10 times the size of the Brazil uh, the Brazil gaming market. So there are about 400 million gamers in India. That's incredible. Okay. Let me give you some stats from the Indian gaming market. Okay. So there are 400 million gamers in India. Okay. And none of the players earn through in-game uh, in earnings. The only way a player can earn from Web2 gaming is through, you know, streaming it is through uh, basically through esports, which is competitive video game tournaments, right? It is through uh, me streaming the game and live game streaming is becoming increasingly popular where, you know, people enjoy spending time watching YouTube streamers, watching YouTube. Minecraft, yeah, big game. Exactly, yeah. right? So these streamers make money through ad and media revenue, which is a YouTube revenue, through brand sponsorships, through merchandise sales. 
But note that only 1% of the top gamers are able to do this. Only 1%. And only 1% of YouTube streamers actually make more than the average uh, global income, right? Uh, so it's not uh, sort of a very easy thing to build out. So from there, uh, you know, we started, uh, uh, obviously we, re we realized it's a huge market with roughly 400 million gamers. There are about 100 million gamers who do active in-app purchases. In India, each user, there are about 400 million gamers and each user spends about $16 per user. It's a, it's a huge sort of mobile gaming market. There are about 15,000 plus game developers in India. If you've seen the development of, uh, uh, of Geo in India, uh, I don't know if your, if your listeners are aware of Geo, which is, it has, Geo is basically the telecom operator in India, which has completely revolutionized the uh, internet penetration. Now, I mean, I think as of now, I think there are about, uh, every household is about sort of two smartphones and, uh, a large part of the market as internet access, right? So mobile gaming is, thanks to Geo, mobile gaming has sort of become really, really large. Now, when you look at these uh, phenomena and you see gamers, the number of gamers and gaming becoming the biggest source of entertainment for the millennials and for the Gen Zs, right? The boomers try spending more time on television and, you know, Instagram and Facebook, but millennials, their primary source of entertainment is games. Now, when you mix leisure and earning is where Web3 Gaming sort of comes in. Uh, so this is where we sort of, IndieGG sort of saw a huge opportunity and uh, we, we built this out. So the idea is very simple. We want, we have a huge market. We have a huge potential. We want to onboard millions of users to Web3 Gaming uh, and built out a huge community of users who can participate in the uh, play to one economy. Uh, we want to uplift lives of multiple gamers who have always been devoid of, like we discussed, property rights and human rights. We, we want to enable them. We want to create more blockchain ed education for them. So there's a lot of boot camps happening. There's a lot of things happening. You know, we are educating a lot of users to become content creators. So, you know, these users who are playing Web3 games, earning their really good games, they're eventually also streaming content and becoming great content creators. And we're tying up with leading streaming platforms in India to sponsor some of the best Web3 streamers from our community. Uh, we are promoting a lot of game developers and, you know, so we're getting a lot of game players to level up and eventually become the best esports players who are competing at a global scale and, uh, you know, and are sort of turn this into a profession. I think it's a, it's a huge potential. Yeah. And on this potential, I was, I'm sorry, I want to stop here for a moment because I think flippantly early on, I said I lost all my money and actually it's not true. I didn't. Um, I think I actually looked at my monthly return. I invested about $1,200. I made $150 in SLP back within probably a month, a month and a half. Um, so I was thinking actually a 10% return on my investment within a month. And I was doing something I was enjoying. I was generally spending some of my leisure time playing these games and was having fun doing it. A 10% return in one month, that's a, you know, annualized return rate of, if I was doing it month on month would have been a hundred odd percent. I mean, that's amazing. 120% return on, on your asset. Uh, so I think here is maybe people are thinking like, you know, you said the 1%, but like, what can an average gamer in India be earning with something like Axie or one of these other games? So, so listeners can understand that is this actually a, a realistic career option for someone and a, and a way to earn? Could you tell us about that? 100%. You know, um, so there are multiple ways in which you can earn now. Uh, earlier, like we mentioned, the only way to earn was either esports or streaming, right? Now there are multiple sources of income for a gamer. Obviously, if I'm a below average player, I can earn anything around the minimal wage uh, from just participating in the in-game economy. If I'm an average player, again, based and all of this is based on my skills. It's a very skill-based game. And how much time uh, you put in, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anything between, anything between four to five hours is what I generally put in. Uh, any gamer generally puts in, right? So 
a, a day, right? You're talking about four or five hours a day. Yeah, per day. A day, a day, right? Um, so a lot of people either play as a form of primary income and they spend five to ten hours, three to four hours, depending on what they do, depending on games they play, streaming they do, participate in other tournaments. It largely depends on the on the goal of the of the gamer, whether they want to resort to gaming as a full time profession or they want to simply use gaming as a supplemental income. Uh, right. So and we're seeing this playing out, uh, you know, if you look at the income disparity in India, right, if I break down the overall sort of income into five slabs, the lowest 20 percent slab makes an annual income of thousand dollar. That's it. And we're talking about an annual income. The second lowest lab makes an annual income of $2,000. The third lowest lab makes an annual income of $3,000. The fourth lowest, the fourth lowest lab makes an annual income of $5,000 and, and so on, so on and so forth. Right. Now, when you give those people an opportunity to spend three, four hours a day, use their skills, build it up and earn some sort of a supplemental income. The income varies from game to game. We, we, we're talking about Axie Infinity right now. But uh, the earnings from Axie Infinity has largely gone down because the economy has sort of crashed. Uh, because there are a lot of value extractors. Uh, people were trying to extract more from the game than contribute to the game. Uh, the game was largely dependent on growth of new users. So the SLP withdrawal rate was the emission was much higher than the demand. Uh, but we're seeing a lot of new games like Pagaxi, we're seeing a lot of new games like Cyball, we're seeing a lot of at least 10 games that are launching in the next one, two months, right? And most of these games will have different earning streams. Anything between $50, $100 a month to maybe up to $1,000. Uh, again, so it largely depends on the user, how skilled they are. Uh, what their goals are, whether they want to turn into a full-time gamer, do they want to turn into a part-time gamer, do they just want to play games to supplement their income, do they want to, you know, leverage the the, the platform that we've built out to eventually uh, become a gaming uh, esports, a professional gamer, turn into esports, start streaming, get sponsored by these streaming engines to create content every day. Again, I mean, the opportunities for gamers with Web3 Gaming, the sources of earning for a gamer through Web3 Gaming opens up in multiple directions, which was very, very limited with Web2 Gaming. So uh, and so let's pause again here. So this is important. So, uh, of course, with any any job, your ability to earn is often, often tied to your skill and your capability and your talent, which is dependent upon your motivation, is dependent on the training that you receive, is dependent on the amount of time uh, that you put into said activity. I've talked at length on my show about what I, how I define talent, but you've sort of just kind of characterized a couple of potential earning like levels. So it can be anything from being a nice side gig where you can earn, you know, 50, $100 a month as a, you know, as a player, which is really nice supplemental income to maybe a, a normal job that you're going, or maybe you're studying at the same time. That could be a, you know, really helpful, you know, contribution to your family. Um, but then of course you can go up quite considerably. And as you've just highlighted, maybe be earning like a thousand dollars a month um, in some of these games. And I think there are also games who earn far in excess of that. I mean, certainly in the early days of Axie, there were people becoming millionaires playing Axie as well. So we, you've been very conservative in some of the estimates that you've talked about, probably because of some of the splits, but there are certainly stories of the, the percentage of people who are, some percentage of people who have done very, very well out of these games. And, and actually, as we talk right now, are trying to think about the macroeconomics of their game and how they can kind of rebalance the game. And there's always, as with any new economy, you know, challenges which arise. And I think that's what we're also seeing. Like, as you become a pioneer, you also face the first headwinds and the first failures. And then there'll be all these games that follow that hopefully will be able to, you know, benefit. And so this is a genuine potential career for someone now. Yeah, 100%. And do you think in India gaming will be seen as a a um not just a, a viable career but a worthwhile career for young indians to take up and um, what are your thoughts about that because i'm sure there's still be mums and dads saying become an engineer become a doctor become a teacher um but you know gaming is also important yeah that that's a challenging <laughs> hurdle to cross sir. 
it's not easy uh, obviously because uh, it's a very uh, it's not a safe path because it's developing into a new profession and from a parenting point of view obviously parents are you know they they want to be they want to choose the safest path for their kids right uh when they see when they you know we we've, we've seen historically doctors engineers you know medical professionals they end up becoming into big players but the whole content creator industry the whole gaming industry is a very nascent industry uh so we'll see some time before you know we'll see a lot of examples a lot of inspirational figures and we're doing a bunch we're doing a lot of this we're creating stories around lives that have been changed uh that we've changed lives of uh, for gamers who were earlier completely directionless and headless about what they wanted to do in life they didn't really want to do they didn't know what to do they were so a bunch of guys i know were wanting to be delivery boys swiggy delivery boys and zomato delivery boys and now that guy is you know that guy is a full time gamer he's he's one of our managers he's managing 100 odd people now these stories is what sort of changes the game when parents see that hey a uh, guy uh, from not a very sort of traditional educational background is now working one of the biggest web3 gaming companies is changing lives of people is earning a considerable amount of money is sort of becoming an investor is thinking of savings for the broader front for the future of the family uh, is creating content is influencing so many people is making an impact in so many people i think i think the the perspectives will gradually change But I think it will take some time for that to play out. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's a t- it's an idea that that this type of play, the enjoyment and play, can in and of itself has an intrinsic value beyond just the play, and it's becoming you know recognised as a proper. Yeah, I know there's going to be a whole range of cultural shifts that need to take place within all of that. Yeah, you know you your own experience though with that because I think when we connected before, like you didn't go down a traditional educational route, right? You probably face some of the own hurdles in coming into what you've done but it, it speaks to me about what i think web3 is about crypto is about is about forging your own path forging your own choices and being able to be responsible for yourself and not have to rely on institutions and major institutions as such to allow you to make the decisions you want maybe a moment you'll touch on your your own journey there because you didn't but I think maybe we should tell the audience a bit about like Polygon <laughs> and come back to that because they may be thinking like yeah but will does this really serious like who's Polygon or I've kind of heard of Polygon as a layer 2 to Ethereum but like are they really serious about YGG and I think we should probably tell them about like how much money is coming into this space and what Polygon Studios are and you know I know they've just made a major acquisition or poach I think from YouTube is that right a uh, senior chap so yeah but maybe just quickly before that you have chosen a slightly different route for yourself you didn't go down the business school route you didn't do the traditional route in india right you've also living this yourself is that correct i think i've always tried uh, you know after my graduation i was sort of directionless and the parents a uh, natural caring parent always sort of pushes you to take the safer route which is taking up a degree uh, and you know and then eventually uh, getting into the corporate rat race of sort of building things but in my mind i've always sort of liked chasing the unconventional route you know so sort of you know if, from my early days where you know when i was in school and early days of college i would find you know uh, alternative ways to sort of earn money for myself uh, through you know through through mobile phone arbitrage where i would buy mobile phones at a low rate and sell them at a higher rate from those days to now obviously uh, being a builder so in my heart i've always been a builder and uh, i think one book which sort of changed my perspective from me being confused about what i want to do to you know uh, sort of having conviction in finding using your natural curiosity and using the power of the internet to get self educated about anything that you want to learn is a book called the almanac of naval ravikant uh and and i can borrow a line from that book where he talks about specific knowledge uh where he sort of emphasizes on how uh you know uh, if you if you follow the traditional route you go to a business school right and if you learn something from someone and that person is teaching the same subject to thousands of people right 
it does not make you any different from them, right? So if your learning is dependent on a third person, nothing stops that person to teach millions of people the same knowledge, right? For anyone to build out specific knowledge, there has to be a, a way for that person to sort of carve out the niche path himself or herself. And that is what makes you different. That is what gives you that unique perspective. And nobody can teach you that. Business schools can't teach you that. Education systems can't teach you that. One has to figure out things himself or herself. And that is the path uh, I've chosen. Uh, and uh, hopefully it's playing out well. Uh, obviously, a lot of people from my sort of my friend circle chosen the traditional route. But, you know, it's it's also about what keeps you happy. Yeah. You know, it's it's not about it's not about just doing something. I've always I've never been attracted to the to, you know, going down a traditional road, doing a corporate job. I'm happy building things. I'm I'm a I'm a zero to one guy. I like building things from scratch. I like finding problems and chasing them. I like building teams. I like sort of solving problems. Now that is what makes me want to wake up in the morning you know, and look forward to it. Beautiful. And I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you came back to Naval and he is um, a wonderful thinker and a, and a great mind. And you talked about you know, specific knowledge. And there's another quote from uh, Naval Ravikant, who listeners should know by now, who've been mentioned quite a few times on the show, but should definitely check out if they haven't already. But Edo also talks about the taste of freedom and freedom that comes along from having specific knowledge. And I'm hearing that in your own experience. And I'm a freedom lover. But like this knowledge, this this ability to learn and find specific knowledge has never been available to the extent it is now with the internet and the, the data and the sheer volume of opportunity for learning and gathering specific knowledge and then applying it in a way that is permissionless, that is decentralized, that is only dependent on an internet connection. And I think it's a beautiful way to think about knowledge and the ac accumulation of knowledge and specific knowledge to acquire freedom and to acquire like a, a leveling up. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's, it's, it's beautiful that that's how you've kind of these, these teachers that you can find. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's a, and I could remember a line where he says that learning is not scarce. It's the intent to learn, which is becoming scarce. Right. So anyone has the desire, everyone has the, the potential and the willingness to learn. All you need is an internet and an internet ready device. And we're seeing that playing out. We're seeing that playing out in India where people who've not even gone to a basic schooling system are some of the biggest influencers on YouTube and are making millions of dollars a year, all because of their natural curiosity. So I urge all your all the listeners to sort of uh, awaken the natural curiosity to go into deep rabbit holes, find out answers yourself and not look for an end destination, you know, uh, sort of consume that blue pill. <laughs> and uh, take the unconventional route and let your destiny open up new doors for you. Beautiful. You're preaching to the choir here, brother. Um, certainly, I think my life and the reason I, I find these topics so incredibly interesting is because, you know, it, there is so much newness, there is so much innovation, there's so much exploration to have happen. And to your same point, that's why I'm bringing these series together, like my own exploration of gaming and, uh, and, and NFTs and DeFi. And it's because... You know, Web3 and crypto is a new frontier and there is so much ways that it can be applied that are yet to be applied. People who think we're finished <laughs> is not finished. Like you said, like, let's talk about this now. Like the AAA games and AAA games mean like significant, like high investment games in the blockchain space are just coming out. I mean, one of the ones I'm waiting for is Star Atlas on Solana, which is a AAA game. You know, tens of millions of investment. It's going to be a massive metaverse ecosystem built with top-end graphics. You know, it's going to be very, very exciting. And let's talk about Polygon because you know Polygon Studios. Um, maybe to run us through some of the numbers, I mean, they put quite a few million into IndieGG, as I understand. But also, some significant poaching has gone on already. So yeah, tell us about like how serious this all is for those listening. You know, just to give you some perspective in terms of numbers, and I think I. I put out a LinkedIn post a few days back where I sort of put out monthly active users of all the chains, right? And in terms of monthly active users, you see Polygon has always been very, very underappreciated platform. I have immense respect for builders who build things out of thin air. And Sandeep and team, uh, Jayanti, Sandeep and everyone, 
they started out of a 2 bhk house in mumbai from nothing okay and now it is one of the leading uh, layer to solutions for ethereum and becoming the de facto platform for developers to build uh, and launch on uh, launch in the web3 space so essentially the model for polygon is very simple they want to create an aws suite of solution for web3 developers uh, and a large uh, part of it is sort of being spent into uh, into onboarding a lot of big aaa games on the polygon studio so a lot of early stage investments a lot of early stage partnerships have been made uh, the announcements are not out but i think the uh, obviously the the latest acquisition of ryan watt from uh, youtube who was director of youtube gaming is now ceo of polygon studios and obviously using his uh, leadership and execution skills to sort of build out the polygon studios venture and turn it into a behemoth of a venture which which is essentially will focus on the entertainment industry and onboarding you know uh, millions of uh, businesses onto polygon is is what we'll see play out i mean we were just seeing the early days of you businesses building on blockchain the way we saw businesses instead of them hosting their own in-house servers they started deploying on aws they started deploying on azure right the same movement will happen where you see uh builders wanting to build because of the nature of blockchain technology because of a lot of other sort of benefits will eventually start building on these blockchains and the chains which will have the best ecosystem support which will have the best sort of user friendliness which will have which will be fast yet uh progressive will be the will eventually be the chain of choice for uh, all the developers to come and build in the space and that is what polygon aims to do that is what polygon studios aims to do so polygon studios incubates and invests and sort of provides a broader ecosystem support to a lot of these early stage games a lot of these early stage entertainment uh, businesses to come and build uh, while polygon focuses on enhancing its infrastructure layer so now they are building out sdks which is not out uh, not fully up to date but they they're building out sdks which will allow anyone to come and sort of just use a plugin to launch their own chain so as a developer i can choose between whether i want to launch on the plasma chain i do i want to launch on the main chain do i want to launch on a on my own chain which is which is i can it can i can choose my own sort of chain so you know you a developer will get a series of sort of options just how you see a user today anyone who wants to deploy a database on a server can choose between ec2 servers and then shared servers and then independent servers and then bunch of server capabilities that aws provides right so uh, that's what polygon is focusing on while focusing on enhancing the infrastructure capabilities of the broader chain while uh, building out the polygon studios ecosystem to create that ecosystem support for uh, these games and uh, big entertainment businesses to come and launch on polygon i such an exciting time and um i really am going to encourage people to read some of these white papers and i know i i also read i'm i am very interested in the solana chain just because i i have limited bandwidth to, to explore things but also very interested in what solana are achieving and i uh, saw the release recently that you guys are doing a initial equity offering is that right initial exchange offering initial exchange offering sorry um via ftx and ftx as listeners may or may not know is one of the big centralized exchanges for trading and accessing the crypto market with your fiat currency which is also founded by Sam Bankman-Fried and um SBF as he's known is the world's youngest richest self-made billionaire i think something like 27 odd billion dollars and he's also creating a gaming offering as well if i understand that correctly you know when when we're seeing the early crypto natives who are building these infrastructure taking gaming so seriously and understanding how it ties into defi decentralized finance how it ties into nfts and and how it ties into like a utility and an interest for a whole as you said gen z and you know millennials who are gaming as part of their pastime and their culture it's easy to see how humans at play humans in the metaverse humans in, online are going to be ultimately in some way operating on the blockchain and the underlying architecture that is so it is exciting times right to see what you're going to be building with indgg and 
what is going to happen with these NFT assets and what's going to happen with crypto and particularly in the gaming sphere. I must say it's been really amazing hearing, you know, what you've said about uh, the progression. So thank you for sharing it with us and sort of mindful of your time now bringing us towards the end of the show. But, you know, one thing that I'm always interested in is the sort of the books and the thinking that have shaped you into where you've got to. And you've mentioned a couple, but maybe you could share with the audience some books that have really influenced you, any white papers or sources that you think people should be reading to learn more about crypto. What would you like to share with us? Yes, I'm definitely a hardcore reader. So, you know, a lot of my learning does not come from traditional formats, comes from learning. You spoke of it. But I think some, some of the inflection points uh, which came through reading were, who came through, uh, obviously, the Almanac of Naval Ravikant. And I highly, highly recommend everyone to read that. There's another book called The Trillion Dollar Coach. The Trillion Dollar Coach is Eric Schmidt. And I forget the additional author. Yeah. We did most of writing. Yeah. Yeah. I have that one. I got it signed actually by Eric Schmidt. Can I tell you that? That was a, another story. Yeah. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, you did. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, learned a lot of leadership qualities and how to deal with people, how to sort of build out uh, leadership uh, wings, I think, from this book. I think it's definitely a go-to read for anyone who's getting into an executive position or getting into the position of a leader. In terms of, I think, if you want to learn about how network effects are built, I will recommend you to read The Cold Start Network, The Cold Effect by uh, Andrew Chen. He recently released his book. So it, it's about how companies like Uber and everyone build network effects. They don't own anything, just build out a product and manage the demand supply. So how do you sort of create that network effect? How do you manage that network effect? How you build out that network effect? So if you're interested in that, read The Network Effect by Andrew Chen. If you want to start diving into the crypto space, I will recommend you to read first The Sovereign Individual. It is a slightly heavy book. So if you can manage to read it, nothing like it. If you can't, then maybe directly jump to The Infinite Machine, which is a book on the story of Ethereum. And it's basically a story of how Ethereum, how the founder of Ethereum, White Lake Buterin was, you know, back in the days used to write blogs on the Bitcoin blogging channel and then eventually, uh, you know, got a job at, at a company which went out to build Ethereum. It's a great, great, great book on how, you know, uh, he sort of had the vision to create an infrastructure layer for anyone to come and build on top of. And if you want to get up to speed with what's happening in the space, then uh, I think I'll recommend, if you want to learn about DeFi, then pick up this book called uh, this How to DeFi by CoinGecko. It's a great book and there are two versions of it, How to DeFi 1 and How to DeFi 2. Read both the books. If you want to get up to speed with what has happened in 2021, read uh, The Crypto Thesis by Misari. So it will... It's a 150-page sort of uh, update on what has happened in 2021 and covers all the different topics like GameFi and DeFi and what does Luna do and what does Solana do and everything. Yeah. And you've been very kind in sharing all of these, but also quite humble in not plugging your own blog post and your own writing, which I found to be you know, super informative and really helpful as a nice summary of much that goes on. And how can people find you and your work as well? Yeah, so listeners can connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, my name is Abhishek Anand, A-B-H-I-S-H-E-K space A-N-A-N-D. I'm very active on LinkedIn and Twitter. And I also uh, try to take out time to write blogs and sort of share my learnings from the space so, you know, I can sort of create a broader ecosystem and help out more people to, you know, learn more about the crypto space. My blog, it's on Substack, but if you want to find my blog, you can go to my LinkedIn page and uh, find out my blog. It's it's sort of uh, star marked on LinkedIn or you can go to my Twitter profile and you can see, you can find the blog in the headings. I think people should. It's a really enjoyable read and there's some some really interesting information on there and analysis that you do to summarize into, you know, maybe a thousand plus words of, of some of the things that you're reading about. So it's a nice, easy way to dive into some of this and start the rabbit hole. And there's some of those books you've suggested, I think are a, a fantastic and papers are a fantastic place to start, definitely. You mentioned somebody at the very beginning of the show who you said summarized Axie for you as an important person who summarized the game. Oh, yeah. Packy is the name of the guy, Packy McCormick. So his blog is called notboring.co, N-O-T-B-O-R-I-N-G dot C-O. 
highly highly recommend yeah highly highly recommend subscribing to that blog also highly recommend subscribing to uh, a lot of like i said a lot of my reading comes from blogs and not just books so i think in terms of blogs i think i, I definitely recommend packy's blog i definitely recommending to I recommend uh, subscribing to bankless uh i highly recommend subscribing to the generalist which is another blog written by uh, yeah mario gabriel uh if i'm pronouncing the name right and these are long form theses these are not blogs but they literally break down stuff into 4000 5000 words and sort of bring their wisdom and sort of to the layman so yeah i think these are these are few blogs uh, i definitely recommend uh once it's subscribed to so there's enough there to keep any crypto beginner busy for a very long time and um i know i've shared some others in my other shows as well but maybe i'd also add to that list the one of um balaj shrinivas which is um 1729.com 1729.com um as a, a certainly a crypto maximalist and some very interesting thinking but there's actually there, there's actually a very interesting thing happening with 1729 1729 is trying to create a network state and i'm a, i'm a early member like i'm the i'm from i'm a part of the founding sort of team member of the 1729 network oh, wow okay which which where balaji takes uh weekly lectures on different topics such as how to build out the network state uh and most of these lectures are taken in a vr sort of setting which balaji and team are building out indigenously uh so we are sort of the early testers of that network group i had noticed this really it sort of changed a little bit so this network state of her talking about this idea of creating and people sort of go and read you know the the idea and concept around it it's definitely crypto maximalist this idea of like you know creating and buying land and yeah. you know creating a, an integrated community it's pretty far out so it's pretty crazy but i i mean he's an incredible mind and and um can't in some ways I wouldn't necessarily bet against him and so you're part of that community as well and uh, meeting in vr so maybe you're going to have to send me a link to that cuz i've just bought some vr gear to be able to explore some of this stuff so um and we'll put a link in for the real dgens out there well again uh bless you abishay for sharing all of your knowledge and uh, expertise with us and there's much more that you can explore i'd like to say again a, a massive thank you and um we'll see you soon thanks a lot for having me So if you enjoyed this episode, please remember to subscribe or leave a review on wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us. So thank you very much. We also have a newsletter on our website talentequals.com so you can keep up to date with all of the things we're doing here at Talent Equals and the amazing guests that we have coming up this year.